Welcome to the High Five Countdown Podcast. My name is DJ Setho, and the ultimate goal of the High Five Countdown Podcast is to have more episodes than Independence Day has one-liners. Welcome to Earth. I know that's a lofty goal, but we're going to try to get there. And if you haven't figured it out, it's going to be an Independence Day-centric episode today. We're going to get into the topic of the episode, but first, let me introduce my special guest co-host who is here live in the studio. My special co-host has an infinite amount of movie knowledge and even writes a blog in order to really get people talking about movies. We have Alan Brukevich, the creator and author of Real Speak. Alan, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Seth. Just so I'm clear, we're talking about Independence Day the movie, not Independence Day the, uh, the holiday. Well, I had the fireworks all ready to go. We can light them off. Okay, I just want to make sure we're talking about the same thing. (laughs) Well, we can do a little bit of both, because I think there are fireworks in the movie, too, if I remember correctly. Ah! That's right! That's right! Get up! Get up! That's what you get! Well, I think we're better off talking about the movie because I wasn't around for the first Independence Day. I was a little, I'm old, but I'm not that old. So why don't we just stick to the film? Sounds good. So, Alan, you obviously have this blog, Real Speak, which is basically anything you'd want to know about movies. And my first question is, what is kind of the ultimate goal of when you're writing and, and what you choose to write about with the Real Speak blog? Well, the, uh, the main tagline that I have for Real Speak, which, by the way, you can find at www.realspeak.blogspot.com, and that's real spelled with two E's, like the film reel. Tagline that I have for Real Speak is movies, opinions, education. It's a movie blog. You're always going to get a little bit of my opinion because it's my blog and all. But the main goal is to uh, provide a little bit of education. I always hope to make people walk away from Real Speak a little bit more informed than they were before they navigated to the website, which, once again, you can find at realspeak.blogspot.com. R-E-E-L. R-E-E-L. Two E's. We aren't keeping it real. We're keeping it real. R-E-E-L. One thing that I noticed about Real Speak is the way you review movies. You don't necessarily have, you know, one star to five star like the Rolling Stones of the world. You don't have the grade system, which I cringe at because I always got those grades that started with the same letter as a curse word that we say when we're really upset. Excuse me, I'm Eric Lentra. Charles Xavier. Go f*** yourself. How do you rate movies? I mean, there's 10 billion websites out there who are reviewing movies every single day, every single week. And some some of them do a 10-point scale. Some of them do the five-star scale. Some of them do like five thumbs up or, or just a regular one thumbs up, one thumbs down. I came up with my own system where I just broke it all down. Um, there are only three levels to the way I judge a movie, and that's see it, rent it, f*** it. <laughs> 
do me a favor, write one verse without a curse. See it means I, that I highly recommend it and that you should get off your ass and go to the theater and see this movie. It's that good. When I say rent it, that means it's okay, it's good, but it's not something that you need to rush out to the theater to see. And if I say f*** it, well, that means f*** it. Don't bother with it. It's not worth your time. Do me a favor. Write one verse without a curse. Very simple. Very easy. It's not a, a 7.5. It's not a three and a quarter star. I like it. The other interesting thing is a lot of times you really provide a context for a movie and the actual um, effect a movie might have on the entire entity of cinema. Every movie makes an impact on cinema, even if it's a really, really bad one. Even this latest Fantastic Four? Maybe even the latest impact? Fantastic Four, because something like that is a true example of uh, how the Hollywood studio system can really, really fail and fall flat on its face. So even even with the bad ones, you can learn you can learn something from it. And I think your insights are really uh, spectacular. So what are some of the blogs that people should check out that, that you've written recently that are really insightful? I, I know there's a lot. I've looked to the site and it's a great read again real speak r-e-e-l dot blogspot dot com thank you um two of the blogs that i've been uh, very proud of this year first off was one speaking about the relevance of uh, captain america which was really driven home with the most recent captain america film captain america subtitled civil war that shield doesn't belong to you you don't deserve it my father made that shield uh, so that was a big hit, and a few months ago, I did a blog on the top 15 movies made since uh, the year 2000, basically the top 15 movies of the millennium. Uh, that was a pretty big hit. That was a very difficult blog to write because you have 15 years of movies uh, to wade through, but I think, it went, I think it went pretty well. I think everyone will be interested to see what I think are the top 15 movies of the millennium, and uh, if you like it, great, and uh, you can come back in around 2020 to see my top 20 of the millennium. Spoiler alert! <laughs> There were a few that I disagreed with. Not ones that he included, but ones that he didn't include. So it's worth checking out, and it's really interesting, especially some of the ones you include, and at the ranks you included them at. But that could be a whole nother podcast in and of itself. Thank you for telling us about Real Speak. Definitely a great blog. Please check it out. Realspeak, R-E-E-L, dot blogspot, dot com. I think you write uh, every week, a couple days a week. Um, I will do at least two a week, um, three at the most, with the third one, usually on a Friday, usually reviewing uh, the newest movie out, out in the theater. And he's very consistent with it. There's never a period of time where you won't see a blog entry. So if you love movies, this is definitely the site for you. Again, that's realspeak, R-E-E-L, speak.blogspot.com. Alan keeps it real. So now let's get into it. This episode of the High Five Countdown Podcast, you guys already know it's Independence Day centric, but this particular episode will be the top five memories about Independence Day. When I say the top five memories, we're talking about the release of the movie back in 1996. I'm going to defer, because I have the movie expert here. So you guys don't want to hear from me. You want to hear from the guy who knows his cinema. So I turn it over to Alan to talk and give us a little bit of an intro of the context of Independence Day when it was released. So let's talk Independence Day. Um, Independence Day happened in 1776. Oh, wait, we're talking about the movie, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
All right. Oh, sorry. Okay, we're not talking. <laughs> we're not talking about the thing that ended the war. But all right. So Independence Day was released on July second, nineteen ninety six. It was directed by Roland Emmerich and produced by Dean Devlin, who had collaborated before on another sci fi hit film um, called Stargate. Stargate was a Kurt Russell vehicle, which eventually spun off onto the uh, TV shows, which which went a long way. Um, prior to the release of Independence Day, there was an immense buildup thanks to the marketing strategy used by 20th Century Fox. It had a very high level of uh, anticipation and hype, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that marketing approach that they used. Um, just a little bit later. Spoiler um, alert. Spoiler alert. The marketing that they did, it worked. Um, Independence Day was the highest grossing film of 1996 with over $800 million worldwide, which even by today's standards is is pretty good. I know that's just pocket change for you though, right? <laughs> yeah. After this successful podcast, of course. <laughs> So at the time, it was the second highest grossing movie of all time, only behind E.T., another sci-fi film. How about that? America loves their sci-fi. Yes, they do. And they love their aliens, too. Uh, well, they do, of course. And Star Wars! <laughs> Excuse me. And today, Independence Day sits as the 51st highest grossing movie of all time. In that year of 1996, Time Magazine had the movie on its cover, um, saying that sci-fi had finally made a comeback in cinemas. Their point of view was that Independence Day had legitimized science fiction again. Independence Day was nominated for two Oscars. It won one for Best Visual Effects. It was a movie that was it was very much done in the spirit of the old alien invasion movies, like going back in the 50s, like The Day the Earth Stood Still or War of the Worlds. It was basically a B-movie with a really big budget. It was at the forefront of the minor wave of disaster movies that we got during the late 1990s. That's the thing that I noticed, too, is especially on the rewatch uh, after we've had this flood of disaster movies, whether it's been San Andreas, Day After Tomorrow, The Core, even though it's sci-fi... Independence Day is shaped just like a disaster movie. It is. Um, and ho- Hollywood tends to come and to come and go in cycles. During the 1970s, there was a short era of uh, disaster films like The Poseidon Adventure, Towering Inferno, and uh, Earthquake. And in the 1990s, the genre had a short comeback. Uh, remember Volcano with Tommy Lee Jones? Yes, yes. And Independence Day was really at the forefront of that. Um, the film made history as far as its box office went, but it also ushered in the CGI era, which is the era that we're, that we're in now. And the sequel to Independence Day is coming on June 24th. It's subtitled Resurgence, and it's being released just shy of the 20th anniversary of the first movie. Hence why we're here, and everyone, don't worry, Two Fly Jeff Goldblum will be in this movie. And that could buy you, I think, at least some time to uh, to take him, take him out, take him down, do your your stuff. Um, unfortunately, Will Smith will not be in the movie because he is busy recording the remix of Getting Jiggy With It. Really? No. (laughs) Because I think everything that I've read is that uh, Fox did not want to pay his high salary. Makes sense. Um, Will Smith is pretty much one of the most expensive movie stars that are out there right now. Uh, I think he's earned it. You know, Independence Day really put him on the map. Um, I I know we're going to jump a little bit deeper into that later on. Spoiler alert. (laughs) 
<laughs> but uh, you know, he he is an actor that can demand a high paycheck because the returns are always there. Oh, definitely. I mean, you think about his catalog, and and we'll get into it because it's easy to see Will Smith as this charismatic actor and entertainer back in 96. And looking back, it's just incredible what the transformation has been from this very early role in his movie career. And not only that, but he's conquered different avenues of entertainment with his music career as well. And now his offspring are doing the same thing. It very much was a stepping off point for him. He went from doing action movies to eventually doing more dramatic stuff, uh, for which he would eventually get some Oscar attention. So as far as Will Smith's career goes, Independence Day was very much a very important film for him. What's the over-under that his kids will get Oscars? Under very very much <laughs> under. Well, like I said, I think Independence Day is is a great movie. Uh, it's a movie that has aged well. Uh, I actually did a recent rewatch, and it's almost a movie that's in light of these big blockbusters that we have today. It is set up just like a disaster movie, as we mentioned. You know, you have this slow buildup of this menace that's going to be hitting the earth. But the buildup is slow because we need to get introduced to our characters. We need to get invested in the fates of our characters because that is what's going to keep us entrenched in this movie. Best type of big budget science fiction uh, disaster movies are the ones that have a really, really big scale. I mean, Independence Day involved an alien invasion involving global destruction. I mean, they weren't just destroying one building or one city. It was many cities across the entire world. But for as huge as a scale was, you never really lost sight of the characters. Again, it was one of those things where it was such a large scale, but you can hold up a microscope and focus on the characters that we had. Ironically enough, the characters that we had were from different segments of the country, and through the slow buildup and through their journeys, they all came together. And the fun part about the movie, even on the rewatch, is to see these characters just kind of collide, and then to see how uh, Will Smith's character is going to interact with Two Fly, Jeff Goldblum's character. We're loose. Can you get us out of here in 30 seconds? I ain't heard no fat lady! Forget the fat lady. You're obsessed with the fat lady. Drive us out of here. One of the best things you can do in an ensemble piece, and this basically was an ensemble piece. You had yes. a lot of great, a lot of good actors in there. It wasn't really centered upon one single actor. But one of the best things that you can do in an ensemble piece is to take characters from all walks of life, throw them all in a blender, shake it up, and see what comes out. And with that being said, I think this is a great point to get into the top five memories of Independence Day. Let's do it. All right, so Alan is going to start with his number five. We're going to ping pong back and forth since it's just two of us. So Alan will give his number five, I will follow, and we'll just start this discussion. Bye. Okay, well, my uh, my first memory of Independence Day um, actually has to do with even before the movie came out, and that has to do with the marketing. The very first TV spot for Independence Day was aired during Super Bowl Thirty, And a little bit of history for you, that was one of the first films which started the trend where studios are using Super Bowl airtime to market their films. During the Super Bowl today, 
you'll see half a dozen movies running Super Bowl uh, trailers during the game. Independence Day was the movie that really started that trend. What I really loved about it was 20th Century Fox had commercials that were set up like a breaking news event where a newscaster would appear and mention something about an event happening in the in the skies. And it wasn't until the spot was almost over before you realized that you weren't really watching a breaking news cut in. It was just a promo for the movie. So it was almost like a War of the Worlds type thing. Very much so. And I think that was part of the point because if you remember way back when when Orson Welles did his uh, radio dramatization of War of the Worlds, people actually thought they were listening to an alien invasion. So it was kind of done in that spirit. It was one of the first, if not one of the first examples of viral marketing, which is something that you see all the time today. Um, I was working in television news at the time and myself and my colleagues really, really bought into the way they were marketing the film. For us, it really, really worked. I 100% agree. Spoiler alert. that might have a place on my list i remember the super bowl commercial it eventually led to me seeing the movie with my dad but it was really one of those commercials uh that got you interested into it and and you think about it it's the first time a movie had such an intention grabbing commercial that now we're pretty much all used to you know if independence day commercial aired now they probably have like lincoln park in the background so get me have all these action scenes of fighters flying around and Will Smith doing cool stuff. Welcome to Earth. Back in the day, that was something that was so new to it, and I think it was pretty cool. And very much in the spirit of the original film, the sequel is capitalizing on that as well. They started doing United States Army recruiting commercials where a veteran will come up and he's talking about his service in the army and he'll be sitting there talking about his role during the war of 96 and they're showing like newspaper headlines behind him that say like alien invasion thwarted and it's done very serious you think it's actually real until at the end of the spot it'll say like you know independencedaycom or something which is the giveaway that it's just a promo for the movie but it really works and it's kind of neat to see that they're embracing the same approach that they did 20 years ago one of the things I remember was when Independence Day was released it was right when the World Wide Web was starting to get traction and people were starting to go online. It was just getting going. There was uh, an Independence Day website and on the website it was a countdown to the actual release of the event. There was not much information with it but I remember checking out the site because uh, word of mouth and again the viral marketing aspect of it was pretty crazy to the point where me even as a young kid checked out this website and it was a countdown to the release of the movie. Independence Day it, it had a lot of firsts to it. It accomplished a lot. And you're going to hear me say a lot that it brought us into the modern era that we are in now. And it all started with the marketing. I can almost picture someone like Michael Bay taking notes of everything Independence Day did so that he can transition it into a lot of the movies that he's going to do. Well, which were... Michael Bay and a whole lot of other guys. Yeah. It's a very modern-esque way of uh, doing things. Five. So let me uh, get into my number five, which is... Independence Day is one-liner central. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to play a little game here. Let's play a game. I've marked down five one-liners from the movie, and I am going to say the one-liner and have you name the actor. Okay. 
Let's do it. <laughs> you should get most of these, if not all of them. First one-liner. Welcome to Earth. Um, I'm pretty sure that was Will Smith. Welcome to Earth. Second one. Now that's what I call a close encounter. Will Smith. There you go. That's what I call a close encounter. Number three. Not until the fat lady sings. I'm pretty sure it's Will Smith. Not until the fat lady sings. Oh, yes, okay. Anyone seeing a trend here? A- am I guessing you kind of like Will Smith? Big Willie Styles already getting jiggy with it. Either that or Will Smith had all the speaking lines in the movie. We're talking about Independence Day, not the Will Smith variety show, right? <laughs> We're going to play Genji with a lot during this podcast. Big Willie Styles already getting jiggy with it. Nuke him. Nuke the bastards. That would be uh, Bill Pullman, who played the President of the United States. Nuke him. Let's nuke the bastards. And then finally, hello, boys. I'm back. <laughs> that would be uh, Randy Quaid. Hello, boys. I'm back. One-liners galore. It is a it is a very quotable movie. It had a had a very zippy script. If we were going to sit and make a list of the top ten most quotable movies, I think Independence Day would uh, would crack the list. I one hundred percent agree. Uh, and like I said, these are quotes that I still say to this day, and that you can make a joke about and reference, and people know what you're talking about, even if they weren't from your generation. Because one of the uh, cool things about Independence Day, which I'm sure we'll get into later, is that there's a place in the movie world that has fortified Independence Day as a pillar. Every time the 4th of July comes, either FX or one of these networks is going to play Independence Day more than once. There's nothing more satisfying than a movie that you consider to be seasonal, and you like to watch it on certain anniversaries. You know, a lot of people like to watch Star Wars on either May the 4th, which has kind of become a new pop culture um, holiday, when they say, May the 4th be with you. Obi-Wan, may the 4th be with you. Um, a lot of people like to watch Star Wars on May 25th, which is the actual anniversary. And along along those same lines, Independence Day like belongs on the 4th of July. It's one of those movies that you revisit always during the real Independence Day. It's got a real, I don't want to say, not really a holiday vibe to it, but it's, it's almost like Christmas. Like during Christmas, you know, when you watch certain holiday movies around the holidays. Yes. And Independence Day, that's something that you have to watch around the 4th of July. I remember there were actually a few points um, when I was a kid where we would watch Independence Day and then after the movie go outside and light fireworks. It just works so well, doesn't it? It does. My number four memory of Independence Day has to do with the casting. The casting for Independence Day, it was a very strong cast. You can consider it an ensemble piece. At the time, none of them could really be considered to be like an A-list movie star. They were all good. They were all recognizable. But it wasn't really the type of cast where any one person got top billing and like that was the guy or the woman that you wanted to see in the movie. Quick, uh, before you go on, who would you say at that point in time would be top billing? Uh, it's, it's really hard to say. Um, Jeff Goldblum probably was the most recognizable actor in that movie. You know, He had credits with uh, The Fly going back a ways and uh, Jurassic Park. Robert Loggia had a lot of good credits behind him at that point. But uh, I think it's a very evened out ensemble piece. It's... Um, 
It's like a nice even amount of butter spread across the bread, not a big glob stuck in the middle. I, I was going to say it was either Two Fly Jeff Goldblum or it was uh, Bill Pullman, I would say, is, is probably the two top billers, uh, at least in my mind. Um, it is it is curious. Now, if you ranked that cast today, it would be different, and I'm sure we'll talk about that later. Well, so so looking at this cast, um, starting with Will Smith, who apparently you're a, big, you're a big fan of, since you can't quote anyone else in the movie but him. <laughs> That's what I call a close encounter. Um, Independence Day was Will Smith's um, fifth overall film credit. At, at that point. Um, he was cast thanks to his performance in Six Degrees of Separation. And just a year before Independence Day, he enjoyed success in Michael Bay's uh, Bad Boys. I'm a bad boy. Bad boys, bad boys. What you gonna do? What you gonna do? And Independence Day was the movie that earned him his foothold on movies released on or near the 4th of July. Because not long after Independence Day, he did Men in Black, which is also released around the 4th of July. So that's when Will Smith conquered the world. That's when, that was his, Independence Day was his really big stepping off point, especially on the 4th of July released movies. And then that led to getting jiggy with it. Getting jiggy with it. Sure. Uh, there was also Bill Pullman. Um, prior to Independence Day, he was mostly known, at least to me, as the Spaceballs guy. <laughs> and I, I always thought it was kind of funny that going going into Independence Day, I wasn't sure if I could take Bill Pullman seriously as the President of the United States because I only knew him from Spaceballs. He was Lone Star, which was a total comedy, oh, yeah. you know, goofy-ass role. But he really sold me on being the President. I had no problem in buying buying into it, and I think that speaks towards the range that he has as an actor. I mean, seriously, looking at uh, Pullman and Spaceballs versus Pullman and Independence Day is literally like looking at Brian Cranston and Malcolm in the Middle and then eventually him in Breaking Bad. I absolutely agree. Sure. Um, there was also Judd Hirsch, um, who played the father of Jeff Goldblum's character. Uh, he was mostly known for a Taxi, the old TV series. Um, he, he was basically comedy relief, but... You know, if you think about the movie overall, thanks to him, the character David, Jeff Goldblum's character, comes up with the idea of how to defeat the aliens. So really, yes. Judd Hirsch is the one who saved the entire world. You're going to educate them, huh? Yeah, so tell me something. Are you so smart? How come you spend eight years in MIT to become a cable repairman? Yeah, no, all I'm saying is they got people who handle these things, David. They want HBO, they'll call you. Always leave it to the comedy relief to pull that off. Uh, I think I think the cast had amazing chemistry together. They all worked very well interacting with each other. Every one of their characters was believable. You had no problems in buying into them being real people. You wouldn't mind hanging out with them or having a beer with them because they were so likable. I think Robert Loja would uh, certainly not mind having a beer with any of us. Robert Loja is the guy you want to hang out at the VFW on any given day. <laughs> He'll tell us some of his uh, abduction stories <laughs> while doing uh, shots at the bar. For as much attention as Will Smith gets for that movie, 20 years later, I, I, I think 10 different people could walk away having t 10 different favorite characters. My number four is the actual movie score and the music within the movie. I think Independence Day just has the music that really sets the scenes for some of the drama that's going to happen and obviously for some of the battles that's going to happen. And the thing that you have to reference is the actual theme score for Independence Day, which we're all familiar with. Uh, 
Uh, most notably, it's played right at the end of the movie, uh, and also during the president's speech, where he says, this is our Independence Day. We will not vanish without a fight. We're going to live on. We're going to survive. Today, we celebrate our Independence Day. And it is just an empowering instrumental, something just shy of, of what you'd hear in a Rocky montage. I agree 100%. I think the score, which was done by uh, David Arnold, is very iconic. It's memorable. It's the type of thing that gets in your head and sticks there. It has a very uh, patriotic feel to it, which is funny because it's it, uh, David Arnold is a, a British guy, and yet the score feels like the most American thing <laughs> you would ever hear. Because you know, Independence Day has a lot of uh, it's got a lot of flag waving to it, and and that's okay. And the score really backs that up. It has a very uh, military uh, ceremonial feel to it, as far as I'm concerned. That score is one of the best movie scores ever, not composed by John Williams. So basically, it's the best non-Star Wars score. Or Indiana Jones, or Superman, or Jurassic Park. Or... <laughs> John Williams has done a lot. Wow. He's done a lot. He's got more hits than Will Smith. So don't fear us, cheer us. If you ever get near us, don't jeer us. We're fearless of my fees, freezing up all the flag. What's that for? Men in black, uh, and... Yeah, a lot more. <laughs> but that score is so great. And Independence Day's use of music is great. The the one other thing that I'll mention as a note is that there's a very, very witty use of REMs. It's the end of the world as end we know it. End of the world as we know it at the very at the very beginning. It's the end of the world as we know it. It's it's used very smartly because it's you hear it in the uh, very beginning and it's kind of foreboding. It is, but it, the, the great thing about it is it's not a dark song by any means. In fact, it's almost more of a peppy, upbeat song. So it doesn't seem out of place in the beginning, but especially on rewatches, you can kind of really admire the fact that they throw that in there just as a little uh, a little pun. Right. It's something fun to have in a movie that has so much destruction going on. Exactly. Listen to the score of Independence Day, especially that theme song. You know, if you're not feeling motivated to either work out or to go to work, play that score and you'll be ready to conquer the world. My number three, which is my third most favorite memory of Independence Day, has to do with the mass destruction. Uh, that's something that's pretty commonplace now. Back then, 20 years ago, it was something new t- to see monuments like the White House and the nation's capital get obliterated into smithereens. That that had really never been seen before. The images of the White House being destroyed were absolutely everywhere. You saw it in every single TV spot. You saw it in every single trailer, every poster you know every advertisement in the newspaper it was you just could not get away from that image of the white house blowing up and i think it would eventually become kind of an iconic image i mean that that image of the white house being destroyed became like the most recognizable image to the movie 20 years 20 years later i think uh, it's representative of jaden smith's career post after earth about about someone getting blown up <laughs> at the time um i actually worked with somebody who was seriously offended by those images of the White House blowing up. I mean, he did not like it. He always kept saying, you do not blow up national monuments like that. And that's when 
that's when you know you've done something unique with your movie is when you can really tick somebody off. Uh, back then, it was it was pretty amazing to see for the first time, and I mentioned the uh, the CG the computer generated graphics that they used. Uh, most of the effects work in Independence Day holds up to this day, and for as much attention as the movie gets for helping to usher in the CGI era era that we're in now, there really was a lot of practical effect work being done with with models. I, again, the iconic image of the White House blowing up. That White House was a real model. Oh, wow. It was, a, it was a real model, probably about the size of a pool table. And what they did was they blew it up using real pyrotechnics and they filmed it at a super high rate of speed, which is why it looks as good as it does. Why When it blows up, you can see like every single splinter. I think those scenes were pretty jarring to me at age, I think, like, 11 or whenever I saw it. It, it was pretty young. Uh, I, I'd never seen that type of mass destruction. It's commonplace now, but to see that flood of just uh, explosion and debris and shrapnel just continue to move onward and onward and knocking people over, crashing cars, is just unbelievable and just so surreal uh, for young eyes. And even to this day, uh, those scenes age very well, as you just said. They do, and they're spectacular to see on screen. I mean, I Again, it's pretty commonplace now, but back then it was really something new. I mean, we we had seen mass destruction done before on screen, but this is something that was pretty be it was pretty believable. And the other thing that really stood out to me, especially on the rewatch, but even in, on my first watch, was they have that one scene, and I know why they do it because they want to set up the scene after this post destruction, which is where they pan New York and they focus in on the head of the Statue of Liberty, mm-hmm. just sitting there being deheaded from the rest of the. Statue. I've always thought that was a pretty neat touch because we never actually see the Statue of Liberty get blown up. We just see her kind of laying on her face. It happens off camera, which makes it all the more shocking to see her destroyed like that. I 100% agree with that one. My number three is that Independence Day was all about the slow buildup. The marketing which we talked about was a very slow buildup to this event that was happening. It was really the first event, no I guess the second event movie. Jurassic Park would probably be the first event movie. Yes, I agree with that. Sure. So it was really the second event movie, but still very much uh, one of the predecessors to this event marketing that we have. But the other aspect of it that I really enjoyed uh, on my original watch and um, even on the rewatch is that the movie doesn't just show you the aliens. It doesn't just show you the ships. It is a slow buildup to where you just see this huge shadow engulfing the city and then eventually when the ships actually come into view, you don't see the ships. You see the facial expressions of our characters as they're seeing the ships. And we don't see the ships until they are fully exposed and we've already seen people's reactions to it. One of the most effective ways to build your story is to start small and work your way up. And when you're dealing with a science fiction film, what you want to do is start with something that's familiar, add something onto it, and then add something more onto it, and then add something more onto that. What is the very first image that we see in Independence Day? We see the flag that Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin planted on the moon. Oh, okay, that's familiar. We all know what that is. We know that really happened. And the next thing you see is the shadow of the alien ship overshadowing uh, the flag, and then the rumbling upsetting the footprints of uh, Armstrong and Aldrin. Then we go to Earth 
with the uh, the radar dishes, you know, searching for alien life, which is something that is real. They really do have that now. And we see those people discover that the alien ship is coming. It's a wonderful build, but it works because, again, you're taking something familiar and real and just adding on to that. It's all this slow buildup. And the slow buildup is obviously to build suspense, but the slow buildup is also there because we need to get the stage set. We need to introduce our characters and get invested into our characters. And as we mentioned, it's a big cast, so there's a lot of work that has to be done there. So the slow buildup is not just for suspense, but it's a function of the movie itself. Absolutely. My uh, number two memory of Independence Day, the movie, not the holiday now, (laughs) um, is also the score. Uh, We talked a little bit about it. Uh, The score was composed by David Arnold. Arnold, who had previously composed the soundtrack to uh, Stargate. So this was his another collaboration between David Arnold and uh, Roland Emmerich. The main themes, again, were very, very patriotic, but it had a wonderful build-up to it, which added to the tension and the drama of the movie. The score has a lot of marching drums, a lot of trumpets, a lot of of bombast to it, but it also has its gentle moments, most especially when the first lady passes away in the movie, who was played by Mary McDonnell. When she passes away, the music in that moment is... It's so touching and so full of heart, and you always know that you have composed a great score when the bombastic stuff is just as good or just as important as the quieter moments. 100% agreed. I mean, I think it was partially the music that when the first lady passes, um, I know I got teary-eyed. The music makes that work in a really big way. Uh, score one for uh, duplicate entries. All right, the, we got uh, our first duplicate. High five. <laughs> All right, we're going to get our second duplicate because my number two is that Independence Day has a very deep cast. But uh, two characters I really want to highlight are Mary McDonald. And she doesn't have a large role in the movie, but I always remember her as a prominent character. And it was interesting because of my rewatch, I thought, oh my gosh, she's barely in this. Well, it was that uh, family dynamic that they added to it, which really made it work so well. I mean, she wasn't just a first lady. She was somebody's husband and more importantly, somebody's mother. And once you add that family dynamic to a sci-fi movie that is so full of jets flying around and spaceships shooting laser beams and Will Smith making smart-ass comments. Welcome to Earth. The family stuff really grounds it for you. And that, that that's what makes the movie, I think, speak to a lot of people. And Mary McDonald goes a long way in making that work. But outside of the actual uh, death scene where you get the, the, the final conversation between her and um, Bill Pullman's character is uh, she has a great scene with Vivica Fox. And it's where Vivica obviously found her in the wreckage, and they're sitting around a fire, and um, Vivica introduces her son to the First Lady. Mary McDonald says, oh, you recognize me? And Vivica says, well, I didn't want to mention it, because I voted for the other guy. <laughs> and it's a light scene in a very tension-filled area of the movie. It's a, it, it's a light scene, and it works very well, and again, it speaks to taking characters from all walks of life, throwing them in a blender, and seeing what comes out. I mean, here you have the First Lady of the United States hanging out with a stripper. (laughs) You would think that no good could ever come come of it, but they kind of find, they find common ground. They definitely do. And and even that uh, point where um, Vivica Fox says she's a dancer 
And uh, Mary McDonald says, oh, ballet. Ballet. <laughs> yeah, it's a great little moment. My second character that needs to be mentioned is Judd Hirsch. Yes, Will Smith gets the one-liners, but Judd Hirsch gets the comedy, and he steals it. All right, all right, I don't want to argue, I don't want to argue. Shh, 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 let's just get there as quickly as What's possible. What's the rush? Huh? You think we'll get to Washington and won't be there? Um, there's the opening scene which introduces him and obviously two-fly Jeff Goldblum and they're playing chess, and of course, Judd Hirsch comes in with a smart-ass comment himself, if you don't move, I'm going to start to decompose. <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, you know, Judd really played well off of Jeff Goldblum. I mean, they had some really, really good chemistry together. You had no problem whatsoever buying into them being father and son. And that's why I'm excited that both of them are going to be in um, Independence Day 2. Absolutely. Sure. So again, a very deep cast, but uh, I, I wanted to point out those two characters because there are two that are, you know, not necessarily the main bill that are memorable to me even 20 years after the movie. My number one memory of Independence Day goes towards the absolute sense of victory that you feel when that movie is over. 20 years ago, when my friends and I walked out of the theater after seeing it, we felt like we could take on the world. We felt like that we had just really lived the adventure. And we were like, sure, aliens come down and invade us. Yeah, we'll fight you off. No problem. With our own bare fist, if we have to. Um, 20 years later, when I look back at it, what Independence Day did with that big victory type of feeling at the end, it's very reminiscent of what Star Wars, the first Star Wars movie accomplished in 1977. Because before Star Wars came out, the cinematic landscape of the 1970s was dominated by these grim, nihilistic films like The Deer Hunter and The Godfather and Taxi Driver. Um, the characters weren't exactly the type of people that you'd want to hang out with. All great movies, sure, but they, you didn't really walk away at the end wanting to throw your arms up in the air in like a victory type of pose. Star Wars came around and completely changed that. Star Wars had a bell-ringing knockout victory at the end, complete with a medal ceremony. And Independence Day, I think, was kind of done along that same, those same type of lines. The way the good guys won in, in Independence Day, that was no decision. That was a knockout. And it wasn't a TKO. It was a true knockout. And really, the only thing the movie is missing is a medal ceremony. I guess I would say there's a lot of, of build-up to what different characters want. Every character has a desire that they need to be fulfilled. Two-Fly Jeff Goldblum wants to mend things with his ex-wife. They obviously do that by the end of the movie. You know, obviously for even the, uh, the kid who plays the son of Vivica Fox, the kid wants fireworks. Well, Will Smith delivers on that. Uh, That's a great little line at the very end. Didn't I promise you fireworks? And it seems like everyone's needs were really met at the end. So yeah, I, it think, I think every character had, uh, had closure. Part of me is tentative about this sequel because this is a great single standalone film that had a decisive ending. To try to shoehorn in a sequel because it's going to make money gives me a little bit of pause for this sequel. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Um, Independence Day is definitely a standalone movie. I'm not sure it really demanded a sequel right away. Well, it isn't right it away. Is, <laughs> it, I mean, yeah, it is, uh, it is kind of interesting you were kind of curious to see where all the characters were going to wind up or what kind of shape the world was going to be in after all the destruction, yes. where all these major cities were pretty much devastated. So um, it's 
it's interesting. Um, we'll see what happens. Similar to you, the uh, sense of victory I felt uh, after watching Independence Day, whether it was 20 years ago or just two nights ago, is the same sense you would you would find after you know Rocky II when Rocky does beat Apollo, right? Or even a movie such as Warrior, where you know you have this huge underdog who ends up you know winning the entire thing, and you you feel like you can conquer the world. So even when I watched two days ago, I was like, all right, I'm ready, Robert Loggia. Let's line up the shots. Let's go. Oh, boys! I'm back! It's one thing to root for a main character to win, but to actually see him win in, in that type of, again, big knockout style, that's another thing. And Independence Day does that very, very well. My number one. Your number one. Is Will Smith Steals the Show. <laughs> Welcome to Earth. How did I know that was coming? What I will say is this. We mentioned the deep cast, and the entire cast is very memorable. There's a lot of memorable parts. And maybe I cheated because a lot of this is easier to say with hindsight. But even when I left watching that movie, I couldn't help but just fall in love with Will Smith's character. The charisma he had was awesome. That's what I call a close encounter. The one-liners he delivered were great. You got emotionally attached to him because you saw his relationship with Vivica Fox's character, but also the relationship he had with his co-fighter pilot, his best friend, and then obviously represented through the victory song. Not until the fat lady sings. Oh, The fat lady sang, let's pull out the stogies and start smoking. He actually had a lot, Will Smith actually had a lot to do in that movie because he not only had to play a cocky fighter pilot, he also had to play a bit of a military leader. He had to play a family man. I mean, it was a lot for him to juggle. I mean, again, at that point, he only had a few film credits behind him, and uh, I, th- I think he handled all the responsibility very well. And I think one insert that I would put in there is that one of the points of the movie I enjoyed was when we finally got interaction between Two Fly Jeff Goldblum's character and Will Smith's character. We're loose. You get us out of here in 30 seconds? I ain't heard no fat lady! Forget the fat lady. You're obsessed with the fat lady. Drive us out of here. Uh, just because, in a lot of ways, they were polar opposites. Uh, Goldblum's character was very, very, you know, we need to save the world. Uh, we need to do things in just kind of this orderly and logical way. Will Smith's character was just your normal action hero. Just very reckless and rambunctious. Mm. Um, the scene where Will Smith's character is trying to uh, fly the alien ship out of Area 51 and he bangs into the wall and then he said, oops. And Jeff Goldblum's like, oops. No oops. Oops is bad. <laughs> it was just great and I'm shocked they didn't do another buddy comedy together. I was waiting <laughs> for a cop movie about this. I'm a bad boy. Bad boys, bad boys, what you gonna do, what you gonna do when they come across?
There really is great chemistry between Will Smith and uh, Jeff Goldblum. A lot, of that, a, lot, a lot of that goes towards not only are they two great actors, but their characters were written as the complete opposites of each other. They find common ground not only in wanting to save the world, but they were also both family men. Because Will Smith was looking to uh, get married to his fiancée. Jeff Goldblum was he was divorced, but still very much in love with his wife. So they they were different, but they had similar ground, and that's what made them work so well. They definitely do, and I still like to think that before we see the sequel, that we see both Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum's character enjoying occasional cigars. But not until after the fat lady sings. Not until the fat lady sings. Oh, yes, okay. That is our top five memories of Independence Day. Did we go through five already? I think we did. Wow, that, that one by in a flash. Flew by. Just like <laughs> watching the movie itself on the rewatch. It just went like that. Well, I think my final word on Independence Day is that it's a really fun movie to watch. It's got a lot of great moments into it. As we said earlier, it uh, it made a lot of history. There was a lot of firsts back then. And um, I revisit it around or on every, uh, every 4th of July. I guess my final words, uh, I'm going to do kind of two parts here. The first part is just, it launched the career of an actor who really defines my generation of movies because I grew up with Will Smith from Fresh Prince all the way up to where he is now. I've seen him in so many different roles, from Bad Boys to Independence Day to Hitch to his latest movie, Concussion, and he's been able to span the gamut. Independence Day shows how he's able to be that all-encompassing star who not just conquered movies, but conquered television and conquered music. The actual movie of Independence Day, I think, ages well. It's something that I would be able to easily show my kids, easily show the next generation, and they would be just all wrapped up in the movie. Movie itself, and it can stand toe to toe with any type of disaster movie you have, whether it's something like San Andreas, The After Tomorrow, The Core, mm-hmm. or some of these more recent. It redefined movie marketing as we spoke about earlier, which I think was huge. It uh, redefined marketing. It redefined the uh, special effects era, brought us into the CGI stuff that we're we're into now. So it's uh, it has a lot of history behind it. Alan, I want to thank you for jumping on this podcast. We needed the movie expert to really do a uh, deep dive into Independence Day. So I really appreciate you uh, being here. I appreciate you having me. I had fun. And again, check out Alan's blog. It is awesome. It's a great read. I usually touch base there once a week, even if it's just for the reviews. And you can find that at realspeak, R-E-E-L speak, dot blogspot.com. Once again, that's realspeak, dot blogspot.com. Alan does keep it real. And that's real with two E's, like the film reel. There you go. I'm DJ Setho, and thank you for listening to this special episode of the High Five Countdown Podcast. We will have our regular co-hosts, Tony B and Maddie G, back with us for the next episode. I'm very excited. The next episode is going to be the top five off-season moves in the NFL. I'm sure there's going to be a lot to talk about there. You're a Bears fan, correct? Yeah, I'm a Bears fan. Any move that really uh, jumped out to you? No, not really. <laughs> Fair enough. Are we um, sure is was Will Smith going to be in this make this top five list too? That's what I call a close encounter. I'm sure he will. He was just in concussion. Maybe he has a quote that you can work into that that podcast too. There you go. 
Thank you again for joining us. Remember, check High Five Countdown Podcast out on iTunes. Just search High Five Countdown Podcast. We also have a Twitter. We have a Facebook, which is all under High Five Countdown Podcast. I'm DJ Setho. Thank you for joining the podcast. Thank you, Alan. And once again, please visit Alan's blog. It is a great read. Real speak, R-E-E-L speak dot blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy. Welcome to Earth. You trying to flex on me? Don't be silly. Getting jiggy with it. Getting jiggy with it. Getting jiggy with it.